In this episode of What the Prophets Say with me, Emma Stark and Sam Robertson, we are talking about the need to bear burdens from God, to be sustained in loss and change, and to live successfully in the apocalyptic days that are at hand. Join us for this episode of What the Prophets Say. Hello, friends, and a very warm welcome to another episode of What the Prophets Say. Joined in the studio by Sam Robertson once again with myself, Emma Stark. How are you, Sam? Yes, I'm good. We've just been discussing our favourite style of restaurant to eat in. We have, actually. Yes. What's your favourite, Sam? Oh, my personal favourite. I, I love small plates where you can get like three or four really nice like small... Like tasting menus. Yeah, like tasting menus. I really like that. There's one in the uh, city centre of Glasgow called Fat Lobster. Sounds oh, now ridiculous. you're doing a whole marketing PR job but for they people. But le- <laughs> little plates of fish, a different style, and it's just, oh, it's so good. That's my all-time favourite. Fish is your favourite, though. It is. You've, you've, small oh, plates. What yes, about you? Yeah. Um, see, David and I, our first date, maybe 27 years ago, was to to a Mexican uh, and so we've always had a soft yeah, spot for, for Mex- good Mexican food although to be fair you don't really get good Mexican food in the not, UK yeah, yeah. you really need to go for Tex-Mex go to Texas or yeah. or California I don't know so, somewhere Arizona. That, Arizona somewhere that's not Scotland yeah. for good Mexican food whenever we go to the States we do make that a priority we do good, make that a priority Mexican and food. actually this the conversation has arisen because my teenager my eldest son is soon to turn 17. 17. <laughs> That's 17 year old. What happened? So um, he, of course, is choosing his favourite. But for for teenage boys, it's like, how much meat can I eat? Yeah, absolutely. It's like br- it's steak. It is steak. It is. So that's whatever. what he's about to tell me he needs to do. So the, jo- the joys of family life where, yes. you know, before it was soft play areas and, and home- McDonald's. <laughs> McDonald's as a special treat and homemade birthday cakes. Yeah. Now it's, I would like a proper steak, mummy. It's yeah, like, like, where did that come from? Fancy steak restaurants. <laughs> absolutely. So, and of course, at 17, I know it's different in other nations but in Scotland 17 is the start point for where you can learn to drive, drive. so you'll be getting his provisional and on the road soon Emma terrifying do you know what I'm going to put in his car a black box oh no <laughs> are you so to those of you a dash cam is he <laughs> a black you did you not have it did your mum not put a black box in your car no not in mine but in my siblings yeah I was kind of of the generation where they didn't have black boxes so explain to the the. It's, well they call it a black box it's literally just like a microchip that they fit in the dashboard of your car to monitor your driving style and it monitors everything from your braking speed your gear changing how close you are to other cars <gasps> how well you are lane your lane discipline is and it changes your insurance and changes your price according to how well you drive and it scores you at the end of every month of like gold, silver, bronze depending on how well you drive and other colours if you drive really appallingly. Oh, I'm so getting that for him. (laughs) Well, my mum got one when she shared a car with my brother and she came home the first day after being in the car and cried. Oh, because no. of her. She said it took me double the length of time to get to work and back. I'm sorry, Mum, I might be exposing you for being a fast driver. But yes, put it in the car that not you guys are driving. Speaking of terrifying things, teenage boys who drive, you've led us beautifully onto the word Segway. of the Lord for today. Absolutely. Um, I really feel like the Lord, there's some quite serious things. We know it's a a sober time and there's a fair amount of conversation about it being an apocalyptic time. Mm. And 
that's not without warrant that yeah. we're using those kind of words right now. The magnitude of the days we live in and the reading of uh, Matthew 24 mm. where Jesus prophesies about things of great significance happening in our world. And so we don't want to live in serious and sober and very changing days uh, overwhelmed by that. But we do understand that we have to be those who bring hope. Yeah. And we speak hope in days of change and fast-paced change. And we have to ask the questions, well, how do you learn to live in uh, the things of magnitude and mm. seismic shifting? How do we, as those who love Jesus Christ, settle ourselves when it actually does legitimately feel like we're living in demonic storms? And I felt the Lord say to me a couple of things. It is a time to deal with the fear of loss. Wow. And it is a time to deal with the fear of change and to decree over ourselves, I will not live as one who is startled. That's really good. And that sense of, look, we understand the fact that um, change it's people say they love change they really don't um but i think it's not the change it's the problem it's the fear associated yeah. with it i fear that something deep in me will not cope i fear yeah. that I, I will lose something i have established and so i do think that the lord is saying to us right now this is a be brave time it is a stay the course time it is a time to reset your vision to get your eyes up and to lock on with a new hold the call of god on your life the vision that he has for your life and to bear the burden of that yeah. vision as a weight that anchors you and to say this is where we're going and I will step into the weight of where I'm going and it will uh, uh, assume an anchoring role in my life. Absolutely and I think we have to say that many of our listeners probably have had, yes, change for the better, but change that probably didn't go that well. And the sense of even trauma around change, change trauma or yeah. something of that nature. And I just want to speak to those of you who think, I want change, but I've been so traumatised by it that actually the thought of something mm. changing, I freeze at. I just want to speak a healing and a restoration and a freedom from that trauma to you yeah. right now. Because you've got to acknowledge that the kingdom of God, though God never changes, the kingdom of God is an expanding kingdom. Yeah. And by nature it comes with change I also think you can be so stuck in the day to day and so stuck in your own kind of world that you can be in the middle of massive change and not even notice it and yeah. I think some of you are in that place where yeah. God has already got you in a change, a, a, a metamorphosis, a transformation mm -hmm. season. And God is saying, look at the change that I already have you in. Do not miss the process where I am reforming you mm -hmm. and see that ultimately, though there is a mm -hmm. loss of some stuff, because change always comes with loss, that there is goodness and there is only ever righteous gain when it comes to change that God navigates. I think as well, um, and, and here's something that I've had a, to tell a couple of friends to pray. 
Because we're in, I think we're in days of storms, I would say that. And there are godly storms and there are demonic storms. And sometimes it can be a bit confusing. Which one am I in? I think you can pray very helpfully when you're in this day of storms of, I only want the change that God brings. That simple prayer, I only want the change that God brings. And what that does is it guards you from being slimed or confused by any sort of dis- demonic disruption yeah. that the enemy might want to swirl or spin you into. I think that this the, the word of the Lord where he said, get the people to deal with the fear yeah. of loss, that some things need to be righteously shifted around for fruitfulness. Yeah. And some things actually need to feel like loss to be rediscovered again. And we need to be able to say, I will not fear loss. Although loss is painful, I will not add to the loss fear. Absolutely. Come on. So that I can ever get it. That's really good. Let's talk about this concept of burden, bearing the burden of the future and the vision. So let's talk about something that's very obvious and then I'm going to apply it to particularly to our, our next generation and our teenagers and our early 20s. I do think that certainly in David and, and my life, there is a righteous sense of we need to bear the burden of our life call, which is to reveal the voice of God. So I put that on as maybe a mantle, let's call it an anointing, mm. a coat. But it's the sense of um, when Jesus says, you know, my yoke is easy and my, my burden, burden is light, light. It's still a burden. OK, but it is rewarding. Mm. So I put the burden on me of the call that I have, and you can put your own uh, call on that, to reveal the voice of God to the nations. And when I sit with the burden or the vision of that, I am prepared to be brave and I am prepared to stay the course um, or I'm prepared to pay the price because the burden is anchoring me and I'm not flighty. And and let Mm. me then apply this really beyond and outside of David and myself as a as a married team who lead. What about when God says you need to move house and you bear the burden of the word of the Lord and you walk through the stress yeah, of house moving. Of house moving. Let's let's take that even somewhere different. There is some psychological um research that I was um, reading and being stirred by in recent days, looking at the spiralling of particularly our young men, our teenage boys, our early 20s. Um, you're at the other end of that, Sam, but you'll probably recognise it to those who are mm. in the generations um, beneath you, where we have stopped putting burdens on our younger people. Yes. And the set righteous, godly burdens... And so there is this sense of you do you, you find your own truth, none of which are biblical concept. We talked about those and debunked those before. But the sense of I will choose who, you know, who I want to be rather than the brilliance of echoing God and becoming a a mini Christ, which is what the word Christian means. But the sense I think that we then need to give burdens, particularly to our young men yeah. and young women, but particularly to our young men, to give burdens, godly burdens, where we say, learn what it is 
to take responsibility. Learn what it is to hold something of responsibility. Learn what it is to bear the weight of how you might sacrifice initially for a community and then for a husband and for a wife and then for a family. Yep. That there is a joy in the burden. There's And with that, I think, comes weighty anointings. Yeah. Why do we have the uh, so many people who want to circumnavigate the process into senior ministry? Oh, I just want the platform. No, you have to learn the burden bearing and the responsibility of the burden bearing which grows you up and which becomes a joy. And so when the Lord is saying, deal with the fear of loss, deal with the fear of change, don't be a startled people, put the burden on of a vision that will hold you, Mm. the burden that I will pay a price for this community. I will pay a price for this society because ultimately community and belonging and togetherness needs to be put as a burden because that is the heart of the kingdom of God, the family structure. So we've got to be able to retrain. I don't get to spin out and do my own thing. And the joy of that, which will hold communities and people groups, in these shaken days. Absolutely. I think that's really interesting what you're pushing, particularly for young men and for teenage men who are looking for, I mean, we use the word burden, could we say responsibility? Yes. Um, and the sense of are looking for something meaningful but have been conditioned by society that that's not an integral part of life. I was trying to find yeah. it. I was reading an article. It was reflecting on a, a, a psychologist, an anthropologist research from America mm-hmm. on how 50% of people in their jobs they feel like what they do means nothing to society How tragic. and they feel like their job makes no meaningful contribution to society they feel yeah. like if their job finished nothing would change and this um, anthropologist tied it was a 2018 study to the sense of our society that then ties um, mm-hmm. a sense of well-being and you know a self-value to work ethic and productivity yeah. and just this ever spiraling spiraling uh, cycle that we're in of what I do is meaningless therefore I am meaningless therefore I lack value mm-hmm. and I do think ultimately in us as those created in the image yeah. of God there is a drive to hold something of right responsibility. There is a Mm -hmm. good part of us that knows where we're made to do something significant, do something brilliant, bring something worthwhile. Mm -hmm. And when that isn't held or fulfilled or there's not a sense of a burden Mm -hmm. or there's not a sense of a a responsibility on our shoulders, that almost we feel like we're missing a part of who we are. We aren't our best selves and in this place of of change i do think the 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 chaos that the enemy wants to put around Mm -hmm. you is more in the place of of not knowing your responsibility and that can spin you out when there's confusion around your call confusion around what god's asking you confusion around burdens you know that can spin you out Mm -hmm. and obviously emma you're citing how that's affecting young men in particular particularly young men yeah because the stats are shocking about the number of young men who are not going into tertiary Mm. higher levels of education partly because it's so expensive but they can't see the value of the burden that it puts on their shoulder because what is the reward of being educated? I mean, that's a slightly frivolous example, but it's very important nonetheless. 
Um, but f for me, there is this sense I would want to get back to in the days of shaking and the days that, that we said at the beginning, this uh, ap uh, uh, apocalyptic type styled sense of the society that we live in. What is at the core? What is at the centre of all of this? What really matters? And I think you're then in the conversation pieces of what matters to the heart of heaven is family. Mm. What matters to God is the family of God, mm. named the kingdom of God. Let's let's go to the story of Ruth and Boaz. So let's use the imagery of how they work their fields. So we kind of think that um, Boaz, the, the, the landowner in the story, who leaves some wheat in the field for the poor and the, dis the dispossessed to glean from. That's like everywhere in his field. No, that would not have been accurately right in biblical days. He would have properly harvested the middle of his field, but he would have left the fringes um, not as well um, plucked, harvested, so that the fringes were where the dispossessed could come. And they could then have something of significance to feed themselves. Yeah. And I would want to lift that Ruth and Boaz picture because then you get the story of Ruth, the, the Moabite, yeah. who then marries Boaz and gets taken into the genealogy of Christ, Christ yeah. and King David. Remarkable. So you get this ability for those on the fringes, which is the story of Ruth, somebody on the fringes, on the margins, being grafted into something significant. Mm -hmm. And the sense that we need to be able to move people from the fringes to be grafted into something significant. And that, I think, when you're moving from the fringes to the centre into significance and feeling significant, is that you are paying the price to bear the burden of the relationships in the society and the community, which as is at the centre yeah. of the kingdom of God. So, uh, wow. yes, uh, we, the education... Uh, figures and stats illustrate this. But am I saying to my children that this family unit, this community, this place of belonging, above everything matters? And you want to go from a place where I feel like I don't fit in. I feel like I'm socially awkward. I feel like I don't belong. Not to blame the centre, but to bear the burden for that, we need you. You are part of this. Your turning up matters. Yeah. Your your opinion, your place here, what you bring, and all of that sort of conversation that you 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 got to burden bear for that centre ground of family, so that there is enough agreement around that, and um, for the fringes to migrate into a place of belonging. Now, my concern, Sam, is that the family and community, let's go community, yeah. family, both of it, all of it, yeah. got so wildly eroded that the fringes got so great that it got out of proportion. Totally. So you get... Um, masses of people whether it's on the sexual fringes or on the belonging fringes or in the loneliness fringes the dispossessed this clamouring mass who are not transitioning into the centre of belonging and family yeah. and the kingdom of God because we are not bearing saying this matters bear the burden of this bring your friends into this here is where we feed each other here is where we belong here is where we model 
bottle, the Acts of the Apostle, where we share things in common. Here is the concept of Goshen in yeah. Egypt. Here is the sense of how you s- survive the apocalyptic. Here we we say community and your place in community matters. Come on, and and you know now we're in this culture. I think where, if I'm honest, seventy five percent of people I talk to who are in and around Christian community all say the same thing. I don't fit. <laughs> Most people do. I'm fed up with it. Most people say, I don't fit. And actually, if the majority say that, yes. then how much is there not necessarily a community problem, but a dialogue problem yes. and a conversation problem? We're saying the wrong things. And community is meant to be this movable feast of those who, with great intention, are always moving towards one another, whatever mm. that might be. Whereas instead, we have this kind of static swathe of people mm. who expect others to move entirely towards them and you find this kind of rigid place we're in where we might not have a community but we've got an organization or something like that yeah and i do believe you know for me i you hear me on here i am yeah you know i i am quite extroverted i enjoy socializing i'm yes. also a bit introverted i went through a whole period of time in my late teenage years where I constantly was saying, oh, I'm just socially awkward. I don't fit in. And God so rebuked me. I mean, directly himself, but through other people. Why are you creating your future with those words? Why are you choosing to self-isolate by your words? And instead, the choice of it doesn't matter if I'm awkward or not, or if I think that I move towards, I move towards, and I choose to be a part of someone else's story. A burden was put on you then, a, bur- a burden. I, and to- started to love it. Yes. I, and and love the fact that maybe I didn't fit in in the blending in sort of way, but I brought my portion and other people brought yeah. their portions. And I love what Galatians talks about, about, you know, know when to bear your own burden, but know when someone else needs to bear your burden. Yes. And know when you're meant to bear someone else's burden. I think- and just that movement that Yes. community should be always it's not a static thing and, and I do think these are survival tactics for what is coming they are. and the sense of how do you not lose another generation Come I on. remember um, I'm in my late 40s now but I remember um, David and I were not long married and we'd come up to Glasgow we were going to a church here and very um, young and we got married age 22 so it had probably been 23, 24 and I remember sitting with um, the assistant church leader of the church we were attending at the time and having a bit of a I don't know self-absorbed yeah. <laughs> moment and saying to him you know we don't feel like we belong uh, we don't feel like we fit yeah. in now I was doing to him what a hundred people now do, now to, do to me oh, right around the world it's the same, thing, it's, the same it's the same story the, the story is identical everywhere in the world um, I don't feel like I belong. And I was doing the nobody has us round and I don't feel like I click with people in my home group. I mean, I was having that moment. We've that all moment. had it all and, and I had that moment too. And he looked me straight in the eye and he said, how many people did you have into your high summer? You kind of- and I'm like, what? And he said, did you open up your house? Did you walk towards? 
Mm-hmm. He was really straight talking with yeah. me. Wow. And the sense of, as a, as a mid-twenty, the bearing of the burden yeah. that I had to take on, that this was my responsibility mm. to bear and to hold. You see, here's the deal. It's not just, oh, so David and I could feel more connected, although that is totally important. But the sense that I, I, I'm being led by that leader to bear a burden, burden. for that centre grind of the kingdom of God that these sort of relationships matter, that you don't just walk away because it's not the th- exactly the thing you wanted it to be in that moment. That's, that's incredibly selfish. Absolutely. But I will bear the burden of what matters to God and I will put mm. my eyes on the vision of what that achieves so that together we can deal with what will feel on occasions like loss, what is absolutely going to be massive change, what is going to feel apocalyptic on many occasions. In (laughs) this sense, actually, and I think I would add this to it, that we are going, and this is the word of the Lord, we are going to see a great division between the pioneers and those who are not pioneers because the pioneering work right now is so cutting edge and so radical and so new to host what God wants to host, to build the the elements of the kingdom of God. Whether it's a cutting edge church leader, a cutting edge business leader, doesn't matter. It's so cutting edge that I'm watching this sense of a separation between the pioneers and even the early and late adopters down the path where those pioneers Pioneering communities have to know what it is to put burdens on one another for each other to be able to last and hold the space of the pioneering because the vision is worth it of agreeing around family and provision together, of agreeing um, that that we hold this ground about mum and dad and children and those... who belong to each other, those who might never get married, but we belong to each other, we make a space, we bear the burden of it so that those in the fringes can migrate in. And I think it is lifting off the wrong blanket of, well, I don't even know what the word is, entitlement, that doesn't quite sum it up, but self-absorption yeah. to say, I will take that off me and I will put on the burden of of this yeah. community because this is the ownership yeah. of the center ground of the kingdom of yeah. God. Come on, and that is one step further because I think we could all probably pr- pray, oh, I'll put on the burden that God wants to put on me. I'll put on that God burden. But how about what burden do I need to carry for other people, for a community? Yes. What is my portion in this family, in this church, in mm. this body, in this company? What is my portion to hold? What is my portion to carry? I think one other step, even further, is the asking of what burden do you need me to carry for you right now? Yeah. What portion do you need me to carry? The place of community that you get to over time where you then live what Galatians says of sometimes you bear your own burden but actually a lot of the time you're bearing one another's burdens. It's a funny thing in our house um, we came back Monday night what day is it today Sam? Wednesday. <laughs> I really had to think <laughs> is it just, Where are we? What day? Where are we? What yeah. world are we in? Came back Monday night we'd been out for dinner and there's a family with David's parents and she does an amazing roast beef dinner 
We came back late and I knew it all the staff there on Tuesday morning and we have helped with some cleaners. Thank the Lord for decent cleaners. But one of them had put their back out and honestly, oh, so I had no clear. And I'm the, like, all days, oh man, yeah. of all days. And then my staff were coming around and I said to the children, right, this must have been about like half ten at night. Nice. Um, we are doing this. So I have, um, because my dad's moved in, we've got his vacuum cleaner and our vacuum cleaner. So... A boy each took a vacuum cleaner, each floor. <laughs> each floor, divided the house. Jessica was on cleaning the bathrooms. My dad was on washing and drying the dishes. Dave and I were flapping around, emptying bins and moving laundry out of the way. Hiding it. Hiding it all. Well, yeah, something like that. Moving it, moving it. And the, the six of us, you know, did this crazy hours worth of... of and I'm actually, the dog, the dog stinks. And the dog had stunk up the carpet. And, and then I'm sending Samuel to bath the dog. So, and we're... In that crazy, like, not because you want to do that, it was genuinely not about performance. It's more like nobody can sit amongst our underwear and a stinky dog. So it's like kindness. And the children have got to the place where um, they just all do it. They do it. They just all do it. And the sense then of why? Because the burden is on them very practically in that moment that having 25 people the next day in the house matters. Mm -hmm. It matters. You have to have the house open. And can I tell you, they arrived at half nine in the morning and the last one left at seven o'clock at night. And at seven o'clock at night, Jessica came down the stairs, my daughter, and she says, I've got my two friends, Abby and Abby here. Why they're both called Abby, I don't know, but the two Abbeys. Abby one, Abby two. Abby one and Abby two. She's like, what's for dinner? I'm like, what? for dinner I've no idea so and then you turn tail to do that and the sense of the joy of that of paying the price and the burden to open the doors of your house at a whole load of different costs And they they're not grumpy about it, and well, to us anyway. No, actually, but no, they, they, no, genuinely. It's their joy yeah. of, of of doing that. And thank you, uh, the Star <laughs> Children, because the house was immaculate. Yeah, yes, no, but seriously, because there's a sense of when you bear the burden. Here's what I think happens to you: the more you bear the burden, the more you live your life knowing that you're part of something bigger, yes. and you become less and a le- less of a big deal in your own world, where yeah. it's that self-absorbed place. You, we are part of something bigger. We're part of a family, yes. and it's my joy to give a bit of my time. You know, I want to go to bed early. I want to watch a movie, whatever it might have been that they could have said or you guys could have said after a late night. But it's our joy to do that and to run around the house and madness with uh, vacuum cleaners and dusters <laughs> and make sure it like, looks good but, it, night. but it's yeah. worth it but it's it's funny in all of that I have one son you'll know which one and uh, he's more reflective and introverted than the other one and he comes to me sometimes mommy please can we just not have anybody else around for a meal I just want my own space and then of course you do yes absolutely yeah. but but ver- this is not the only way to bear a burden. It's not the no, only way no, to no. bear a burden. But it is the sense of putting a weight on of responsibility to say, community, family, matters. it matters. And we will pay the Come price. Come on. We will pay the price to own the centre yes. ground in terms of the Come field on. analogy of Ruth and Boaz so that there's a place of ability to transition those in the fringes into something bigger and better of the values of the kingdom of God. Well, 
another episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Lots to chew on from what the prophets say. Delighted to, as ever to have your company. Join us again for another episode of What the Prophets Say. Thank you for listening to this episode of What the Prophets Say with me, Emma Stark. If you would like to go deeper with us, you would be very welcome to join our network, the Global Prophetic Alliance. You can find that at propheticscots.com, where we have a comprehensive training program to lead you into deeper realms of the Spirit of God and encounter. If you feel a call and a pull to deliverance ministry, you can download my latest e-course, which is a comprehensive overview of getting people free from demonic oppression, you'll find that at demonbusting.com. Join us on these different platforms for more interaction with Emma Stark, Sam Robertson and the GPA team.